understood the concept of cycling at home. It's not your normal bike. No, I know, and I've trashed the carpet, but anyway. Well, How are you, boss? Well, we're doing this recording in Zoom, and you've just finished the workout. I have just finished the workout. I've got a stupid bikey-type, peloton-y type thing, and uh, I'm, I've just literally finished the workout, so I'm really ready for a dram, funnily enough. Well, it is Series 7, Episode 2, Gordon. We are yeah. cracking through. What a great episode that was. Some great comments about the Speyside Festival. Yes, and it's festival season. It is. Gordon, festivals. We've got Campbelltown, as we record, going on right now. Oh. And the Feshiel, of course, is ahead of us. Campbelltown, what a place. Um, not much goes on in Campbelltown throughout the rest of the year. But this year, having seen some of the photos and some of the stuff going on in Campbelltown, with all the new distilleries and things going on, it's really a, an amazing sort of region now. I mean, so different to even three years ago. And I've got something I want to discuss with you as part of what we're going to talk about, about Campbelltown. And obviously, Isla coming up as well. We have got a great episode, so stay tuned. A tour guide will give us his unique perspective, an insider's guide to being a private tour guide. And I know oh, on this podcast a few seasons is. ago, you gave us a little tour of Scotland as how you would do it. So I, I maybe would like to come back and mm -hmm. do a 2023 mm -hmm. refresh. Yes, we can that do that. One. So we've got Absolutely. loads of stuff to happen. What are you drinking, my friend? Ah, well, there's a thing. Um, it's got to be either Campbelltown or Isla. And uh, I had finished my Lagavulin 16. I'm holding it up to the camera. I don't know why I'm doing that. But... Uh, Smokehead, because I can get access to a wonderful single malt from Isla that we bottle independently and call it Smokehead, uh, they've released a lovely finish in a tequila cask. Tequila! tequila. It makes me happy! This <clears throat> was launched by our colleague Mikey in New York. New York. They had, mm. had a lot of bagels in the morning. They set out in the afternoon to launch Terminado in the States, and it went down just extraordinarily mm. well. And it's a wonderful, really fresh, there's a clean flavour to the lovely Isla single malt going on here. No, absolutely. I think what's interesting about it is, firstly, let's be honest, it may not be the same here, but tequila in the States oh. is huge at the moment. It's going to overtake vodka, I think. Uh, wow. I'm reliably informed, which just shows you the popularity. But this has been done, like most smokeheads, been done to just finish Brilliant Isla whiskey, single malt whiskey from one of the nine distilleries which are about to celebrate their open days. Uh, and we finished it in tequila casks. So it gives a fresh vibrancy. And what's really interesting about it, Gordon, is that, you know, tequila generally, you know, it, it's a it's it's a fairly it's got a fairly distinctive style. And, and I think in this country, we still part back a little bit to doing it in shots with salt and lemon when we were younger. Whereas in the States, it's much more a sipping thing now. And um, tequila popularity is, uh, to the point there's not enough agave, there's certainly not enough tequila cast. We were very lucky to get some, so this is going to be a limited release. Um, but what I love about it, it's taking Great Isla whiskey, that peaty note that we love it, and we are absolutely finishing it in a sort of fresh, unique type of way. I think the only whiskey that reminds me of that, or one that's done very similar, is I think Kilhoman did a mezcal finish, um, which, of course, is effectively a smoky tequila. But... Um, 
I, I absolutely love this. I think if you just want to drink Isla whiskey in a different way, you're not too hung up on, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the different types of distillery Smokehead delivers smoke. It delivers taste across the sherry bomb, the, or sherry blast, the rum rebel, um, all these types of whiskies. Um, and we did a stout what, one as well. I think that's what Isla is going to be, is great for. It's not just relying on the past and on tradition, as you say, we are acquiring Isla whiskey and doing this with it. As, yeah, exactly. as others, uh, and it really keeps Isla vibrant and looking forward as well as looking back, and I think that's it's hugely important. What have you got? Well, I've got one of my favourite whiskies from last year. I drank this about, I, I don't own a bottle, I have a sample. I drank this about two or three times last year. Glen Scotia Victoriana. I have to say, this is a beautiful, beautiful whiskey. It's a, it's a cask strength NAS whiskey from Glen Scotia. Fabulous whiskey, uh, really, really tasty. I, I remember drinking it in the Ben Nevis, a lovely bar in 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 uh, in the West End here, and it's just beautiful. It's it's a, it's not it's not overtly strong at fifty four point two percent, but it's got this rich sort of toasty style. Um, you know, I think it's mainly bourbon casks, but it's it's really got a right depth of flavour. You know, I'm a big fan of this whiskey. I think it's uh, you know, it's got a sort of dark fruitiness to it. There's a bit of dark chocolate. Maybe we'd in intimate a bit of sherry cask in there. I don't know. But beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Strongly a great, great whiskey. Great, great whiskey. And Glen Scotia, to be honest, having, you know, seen seen what's been going on in Campbelltown and, and you know, lots of great stuff going on at Glen Scotia. And, uh, you know, obviously Springbank's in a little different place. We'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. Yeah. But, but um well, in Scotia, they, they've really done a good job. They have done that. And the reason I come in there, Gordon, is just because our friends of the show, uh, Neil Ridley, Joel Harrison, well, I think yes. this are down there at the moment, and Joel Harrison, uh, along with Master Blender, Michael Henry, are taking mm. you through the six individual liquids that vatted, are vatted together to make that Victoriana that you're tasting mm. right Absolutely. now, part of the festival. How good would that be? Beautiful. That be yeah, no. Great and and, and, you know, I know also Neil and Joel did a really, in, or, or Neil particularly, I think, who's into his music, did a really interesting Sounds of the Distillery with Glen Scotia. So they made a record, I believe, including yes. Sounds from the Distillery. Fabulous. Um, but, yeah, they're doing some really nice stuff and really good to see Glen Scotia, let's face it, coming out the shadow of Spring Springbank, I think, a little bit. Um and with all those new distilleries down there, you know, you, you can just go down there and drink great whiskey, um, which is fabulous. A bit like Spaceside, a bit like Isla. But uh, I'm just seeing a lot more focus in Campbelltown, which is great because I think it's great for the town, um, but great for the region because there's going to be, what, six or seven distilleries there fairly soon, which is fabulous. That is fabulous. And I just, I, I can't get away from that soundscape that uh, Joel did there. I just think back in the day, some of the still houses, especially Glengoyne, I can imagine some of the things you'd capture on microphone might be a bit more fruity than than they're capturing right now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Get, get out of my effing still house. Uh, get, what you having for lunch? I can, yeah. But I'm sure it's a wonderful. Uh, and and, and, and even and, and even yesterday, you know, we know we've got Springbank, Glen Scotia, Glengyle, there's other distilleries. Even yesterday, Brave New Spirits, which uh a good friend Paul Dempsey works for nice. um, is plans to open a new distillery near Macrahanish. So, you know, I don't know if I can't keep up. I think that might be seven uh, or maybe even eight. Um, but that's really brilliant for that part of the world because Campbelltown is for those who've not been, 
it's at the end of the road. It's like on the sort of road at the end of the world in a, in a way. And um, it's probably, you know, it was a big producing region and it, it's not easy to get to. And it, luckily, it's sort of a little detour if you're going to Isla, not too far. And they've really capitalized, quite rightly, uh, in, in upweighting the Campbelltown Whiskey Festival in the sort of three days before Isla, which is great. So if you want a fantastic whiskey experience on the West Coast, there's two weeks to come. But of course, let's not forget about the Spirit of Space side, which we've just done, which was fabulous this year, um, as you and I know. And it's festival season. May is the time to oh. come to Scotland for whiskey. It is. It's, it's, I was trying to find the exact tourist numbers for this year. Um, that was whiskey related because of our guest later on, Gordon. But it, it was. I couldn't get them for this year. It's usually done the last couple of years, but exponentially growing. Yes. From even the last ten years, I saw a graph. You know, quadrupling in ten years. But just we, we might not have time to get into it. But Campbelltown, the history of it all as well. Just to go oh. down there. Uh, when, when, when we've got that you, famous book, Arthur Bernard, the Victorian whiskey blogger, uh -huh. and he went around Scotland, over 30 distilleries, 30 in yeah. 1885, 86, yeah, yeah. you know, and they unfortunately, sadly, came a cropper. Places like Hazelburn, Loch End, Reichlachen, Ardlusa, Loch Ed, these distilleries just fell silent. A lot of the, the, the damage done in the 1920s. Mm -hmm. Our very own Tamdu as well closed in the 1920s. Most of the Lowland whiskies closed in the 1920s. So it's wonderful, as you were saying, it's now coming back to life down there at Campbelltown. So the story is starting again. It, it's really, really exciting. I'm very excited for uh, for everybody and for those part. There's some good people down there. I love the guys at Springbank. Love the guys at Glen Scotia. Really, really good to hear. So and, and I'm enjoying my Victoriana. Yes, that's a Victoriana. And since we're on um, Springbank, Gordon, the quick word about some of the whiskies, what you... Well, I mean, we, we, we've seen yeah. a unique situation, I think, with Springbank in the last couple of years. And uh, one thing that caught my eye this week, uh, which I was like, this sort of... For those people who... Now, let's be honest, whiskey pricing is a very touchy subject at the moment. And yes. look, I, when you work in the industry, you sort of understand a lot of the dynamics which push price, which have caused the situation that we're in. And I... There's a really interesting release that came out this week, which was um, which was an independent bottling from um, Whiskey Sponge. Now that's Angus McRaw and um, you know and Decadent Drinks, and they've released uh, I think it was this week. I'm not sure uh, a Whiskey Sponge. It's a 26 year old um, from from Springbank. So 26 year old whiskey wow. in a sherry cask. Um, now they make great whiskey. But this is yes. this this whiskey is nine hundred and seventy pounds. So, if you think of that from the perspective of twenty six year old sherry cask whiskey, nine hundred and sixty pounds. That either a shows people the price of whiskey in the in the trading market. So that I think shows you maybe firstly what that cask might have been bought for uh, price wise, because Springbank, let's face it, it's in a very unique position at the moment, um, and so. You know, for an independent bottling of a 26-year-old Springbank, at cast strength, I'm sure it's great, um, £970. Now, it's never been like that. And this is down to the secondary market, the market of casks going round the market, which, you know, we historically have bought for chieftains and traded and done all that type of thing. And, and it just shows you that the supply and the availability of 
great whiskey is really limited at the moment. And the supply, the, the price that even sort of whiskies at, you know, 18-year-old sherry cask whiskies trade at is way higher than it has ever been. And it's not just that that's pushing price. That is pushing price, unfortunately. But also, um, you know, all the other things that we've spoken about, the inflation, the energy, all these types of things, the glass, the fact that you have to order more glass than you ever have done, uh, and the delivery is of a different sort of, you know, they'll tell you the delivery. It's a bit better now. But these are the types of things that, you know, you know, everybody wants to honestly try and maintain a price that's as good as they can for their whiskey. But when you see a, a an independent bottling of Springbank for 26 years old at 970 pounds, I reckon 10 years ago, that would have been 200, maybe. So that, or, or even less. And I think that shows you where the, the industry is at the moment in terms of the supply of whiskey. And do you think, I, Gordon, the public have caught up with this? Because I see a lot on the chat, and I'm out tastings as well. Mm. People are grumbling about the price, and it's yep. It, it, and I did look, try, we just cannot make it if it's not in the warehouses. We cannot make it. There is that look. I mean, we look at Tamdu, for example. It's completely sold out. You know, we we don't have any more whiskey than what we have. So, so look, I think there's a there's a lot of factors at play, um, and people need to decide. You know, like they all do. But the big thing about this is. That bottle sold out yeah, at yeah. 970 quid. Yes. Now, I'm afraid probably not everybody's going to be drinking that. Um, and, you know, we're, go we're going to come on to Fache. We're going to talk about Fache. We're going to talk about, you know, I've worked for Bomore in the past. We've seen queues of people outside Bomore. And um, we saw it a little bit with us at Tamdu as well. Queues yeah, of people yeah. buying buying the Dalby Alley, which is a really, you know, at Tamdu. Um, and you know, every, not everybody's drinking them. So I mean, it, it's it's just a nature of where we are in the, in in the world at the moment. But well, um, part of the history anyway. news, Gordon, is I know we don't talk about auctions, but we should, we will. But as we're recording this at the end of the week of May twenty five, May twenty six, in twenty twenty three, the Whiskey Hammer is an auction site, and they're out of North of Scotland in Ellen, and it closes this weekend, and the top bid. It's seventy-eight thousand pounds as a bottle of Bowmore fifty-two-year-old, in brackets, Arc fifty-two. So, and that's the current <laughs> bid, seventy-eight thousand quid. So, I hope I don't get outbid. <laughs> I've got so a budget. Go. I've got. I've, I've set aside a budget of a quarter of a million for that. So oh my goodness, it's, right. it's worth going through. I'm going through all the auction at Whiskey Hammer. Great. We'll do our auction. Uh, we'll try and go and visit them. But it just shows you it just shows you the situation that we're in. And um, you know, there's plenty of great whiskey out there for people to drink. It's a trend driven business, you know, and people and Gordon, can I just go where the trend is. Can I just say what would life be like if whiskey was free? And can I just since we're talking about Campbelltown, take you back to nineteen sixty-three to the legendary Andy Stewart, one of Scotland's great entertainers, who had a number one hit single with Campbelltown Loch, and here's the lyrics. Now, Campbelltown Loch is a beautiful place, but the price of whiskey is grim. How nice it would be if the whiskey was free and the loch was filled up to the brim. And then the chorus, and then it goes on. I'd buy a yacht with the money I've got. I'd anchor it out in the bay. If I wanted a sip, I'd go in for a dip. I'd be swimming by night and by day. Oh, Campbelltown Loch, I wish you were whiskey. And so it goes on. Ladies and Just gentlemen, I apologise for Mr. <laughs> Dallas. I thought that was an apt way of even in the 1960s, it was expensive and they wanted it to be free. Mm -hmm. So 
it's a story that's been going on and on, but it's maybe hitting more extremes than it did back in the 60s. That was my point. So mm-hmm. join in that wonderful song. Now, Gordon, uh, just a little bit on what you've been up to. You've been travelling a little bit. I've been out and about down south. I've been abroad, but um, I, I picked up an interview when I was in Sweden, Stockholm. Sweden. We had a few weeks ago friends on from Sundsvall when we were on the Cinderella ship, one of the oldest ah, Cinderella whiskey, whiskey cruise. So I was back in Sweden a couple of weeks ago with one of the biggest. Not in Stockholm, three hours north of Stockholm. It's just a four-minute interview, Gordon, but I want you to pay close attention to about two minutes in to how many glasses <laughs> were poured. So Anders Nordstrom of SMAD Whiskey Club. Um, here we go. It's a, we'll, we'll discuss this. Here we go. Let's go to Sweden. We, uh, my name is Anders Nordstrom and I'm the chairman of this club uh, in Bollinge. And I have been in this position for 12 years. 12 years? Now where are we? Uh, we are in Bollinge, just outside Bollinge, uh, uh, a place called Domnarsgården, nearby Dalekalian River. We can look out uh, outside and we see the beautiful Dalekalian River. And we're about three hours from Stockholm. Yes, north, going north. Yes, north of Stockholm. Yes. And what's the what's the club? And the how club, long has the, the club been going? The, the club called Single Malt Academy of Dalekalia, and we we call it Smud. We're one of Sweden's largest clubs. Uh, at this, t- this tasting with you, with Glengoyne, yes. we have 170 people You've got, on site. i repeat that, 170 people. 170 people. And how many uh, whiskies are we tasting? Ten. Is it the same glass? No, we have, <laughs> everybody have ten glasses. So we have poured 1,700 glasses for this tasting. Oh my goodness. And when did you start pouring that? Uh, 11, 11. 11 o'clock this morning. 11 o'clock this morning, yes. Or now just after 3 o'clock? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And what are we, what's the... Well, I heard that you have had quite a few tastings. What number yeah. of this tasting from 1997? This is 237 tastings. So this was the 237th tasting? Yes, yes. Wow. So before we talk about Glen Goyne, uh, of those 236 tastings, yes. what's been the highlights? Anything that stands out for an amazing length of a club? Tastings, uh, so we have... Uh, People from Scotland. We have uh, Richard Patterson several times. Mm-hmm. We have uh, from um, we have Jim McEwen as uh, well from yes. Rukladi. Yes. Uh, we have. Uh, oh, stand still. So, it's been two hundred and thirty-six. I'm yeah, not surprised, yeah, Anders. Yeah, yes, <laughs> it's quite yes, a lot. We'll, yes. we're, we're going to catch up with you later on. So if the names come to you, but yes. that's not a bad pedigree. No, no. You have got ten whiskies there. That's ten some whiskey. tasting. So, and I see some that are not available anywhere in the shops. Yes. What's going to be the highlights? You're going to vote yeah. on the What do you think will be the first two or three whiskies in the vote? I, I think that the, some of the cask sample, we have one cask sample, it's uh, sherry, that I th- think will be one of the three best whiskies for tonight. That's a European oak, single European, cask. Yes. Wow. And we have a bourbon as well. So, so, I, so I, I, an American oak, yeah. bourbon, yes. ex-bourbon barrel. Yes. Glengoyne, fully matured. Yes. Oh, that's going to be... And we have a single cask, 20 or single cask, who came out in Sweden uh, three, four years ago. Yeah, and that's, a, that's an American oak sherry cask. Yes. So that's going to be. And we have the 21. Yeah. And we have a 25. And we have a teapot drum, I think it's batch 7 or something batch like seven. that. Yes, yes, batch 7. Yeah. Uh, so it's a beautiful day here. We're now less than half an hour away from it. Yes. Anders, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you very much. And I'm sure this won't be the 
the last whiskey taste and there'll be um, 300, 400, no, no, I'm no, sure no, it'll no. keep on going but what a turnout, what an appetite there must be for whiskey in this area yes, uh, why? Uh, why, because I think we do tasting that folk uh, people want us to have and uh, we always uh, take care of, of all the members we have like 8 or 10, ten tastings a year, once a month, not mm-hmm. in the summer and uh, we always try to have good whiskey and good ambassadors for the whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lovely setup as well here. Mm. Really nice place. So mm. let's get to it. Absolutely. Speak to you later. Bye bye. <laughs> uh, Gordon. <laughs> so, great whiskey club, but would you pour 170 people 10 glasses? That was four hours in and he hadn't finished. Well, and there was about five. Was he on his own? No, no. There was a, a team of them. That's unbelievable. Seventeen hundred glasses. Now we've spoken about this about <laughs> about you. You're dead keen to break the world record, aren't you? Oh, I just that must be up there. Yes, I am very keen. I, I didn't it's want to not, take too much. So it, I'm putting. I'm putting the market down here, Gordon. The world's biggest whiskey tasting. Now, I think it was Brookladdy, was it not? It was in Sweden, probably. Yes. How many people? I think, I don't have the exact, but I've been on the Guinness Book of Records a few months ago. It's about three and a half to three eight, just under 4,000 people. That must have been one whiskey each. I don't know what the rules are. I'd have to speak to Mr. Guinness from the Guinness Book of Records. Speak to Norris McWhorter. Is he still around? <laughs> He's not. But yes, there must be an official whiskey tasting. Could be one, could be a couple. I also have spoken. Where would you do that if I you have, wanted to break it? I have spoken to somebody about this. Who? It's a world record. I don't know if I should say, but I do okay. a burn supper in London for a very famous organisation in Scotland that have multiple massive venues that have held international events. And I said, off the top of your head, this is at two in the morning at a bar. Uh, and he said, <laughs> it's the best time to get someone to say yes. And they said, I don't see why not. Maybe we should do it. I think it should come home. The whiskey world records whiskey tasting for the number of people i think it should come home i like this i think we should do it um everybody the whiskey unscripted world <laughs> record is the, bid on? is the bid on let's do it right we'll somehow arrange this somehow i'm not quite sure we might need a few more audience members to turn up but we uh, might need a few more audience members we also need a slight more detail of we've been talking about how expensive whiskey is we're gonna have to mm. need we're gonna have to get some whiskey we make whiskey. Yeah, that's quite a lot of bottles, though. Quite a lot of bottles. Yeah. So oh, right. Okay. We'll have to have a big, big discussion. But yeah, let's see what we can do. Fabulous, fabulous interview. And then the other thing I want to tell everybody, Gordon is now, you're heading back to your homeland, aren't you? You're heading back to where you're from. You're heading back to Dallas. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dallas. Gordon Dallas is on tour in Dallas. I've always wanted to do this. Dallas does Dallas, and Dallas is going to Dallas. It's amazing. You know, my mother uh, was Mrs. Dallas, and she was... Um, was she in the TV program? They're, they're from Fife. They were from Oh, Fife. not in the TV program, right. Nope. So I suspect there was Fifers possibly going across the air to that part of the world. Mm-hmm. There's other ways of why it was called Dallas, but, you know, lots of Scots immigrated out there. So mm-hmm. is, is there a piece of land out there with my name on it? I think there is. It's called Dallas. But I will be going across to Texas to spread the good words of the Isle of Skye whiskey. Isle of Skye. Absolutely 
unbelievable stuff. Um, great whiskey, blended whiskies from from the age eight right up to age thirty. Unbelievable, it's extraordinary, Definitely. unbelievable, and that's what makes Isla Sky amazing. For me, it's one of the deepest ranges of blended whiskey in the whole of the world. Yes. And you know, the eight is fabulous as a everyday dram uh, mixer, whatever. And the thirty is just sumptuous, and you know, very rare, wonderful, wonderful whiskey. So fabulous range, and you're gonna. Spread the good word in Dallas. I certainly will be. And part of my uh, good word will be, I'm not going to give you all it now, but starts its life, the year prohibition ends in America. 1933. This, hey, this is And Kent. the first, now, year of, first year of Ian McLeod. Yes. Not called Ian McLeod at that point. So this is, um, you know, was that a coincidence? Was it designed to partly go across to the States? It was Probably. a thing whiskey in scotland but yeah that, that, all that history is it's going to be great fun Looking fabulous forward to, looking forward to gordon get across there can we move on to the fish the, the, the... yes we can move on to the fish so there'll be a lot of people on the calmac ferry today um i would suspect from campbelltown to let's hope it's running and uh, there'll be yes. a lot of calmac and cheeses <laughs> very nice the scottish breakfast going on i would imagine um first day tomorrow lagavulin day and I'm just going to run through the days. Uh, Sunday, Brucladi is on Sunday. So that's a big party day because um, they have the very good courtyard to do stuff in. Um, then we up on the up to Kaila, the biggest distillery, I think, on Isla. Big. Uh, so that's the two Diageo days at the beginning. They, I saw there was uh, a, a new facial release. Obviously, they'll all have facial releases, but yeah. Kaila being very secretive about what theirs is. But uh you can overlook Jura from there. And then um, Lafroig and Bamore, the next two days, and Ardnaho on, on the Wednesday, Kilhoman on the Thursday, Bunahaven and Jura. So, yes, Jura is involved in the Isla Whiskey Festival because, let's face it, a Jura Whiskey Festival would just be one, and it would be mad to do it at any other time. Finishing on Ardbeg. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's a great... Um, it's going to be a great time for a lot of people. And 20,000 people descending this year, I believe. 20,000. There'll be a lot of people. Um, there'll be a lot of people um, staying in tents and stuff like that. Now, of course, the other thing to remember is, of course, that there's three new distilleries going to be coming in the next two years or so. Wow. So we have, for those who, so we've got nine distilleries there. Let's discount Jura. For, so nine distilleries. Um, there's Port Natrun, which is, if anybody knows the geography of Isla, it's Port Ellen heading out to Lefroig. Mm -hmm. It's going to be just outside Port Ellen, near the school, on the right-hand side, just as you start to walk towards Lefroig, heading out of Port Ellen. That's that's uh, Port Natrun. That is um, Elixir Distillers, which is Sukinder Singh from the Whiskey Exchange. They've also just acquired... Tormor, which is another interesting distillery because it's got beautiful topiary. And when I'm heading into Speyside, when I drive past Tormor, I'm like, I've arrived. Yes. And as we uh, heard from a previous uh, interviewee that you interviewed in The Hague, um, it will be a fully set up visitor centre that we can all go in there and enjoy. So exactly. you can arrive and have a cup of tea or a dram. Exactly. Time. So that's Port Natrun. Then, of course, there's Port Ellen, 
Yes. Diageo bringing back Port Ellen. I saw some pictures recently. I don't think it's far away. So that's just right beside Port Ellen Maltings. Um, we saw it last year. We did a very, very, I thought, informative video was, outside it, of it. It was us talking about no one would ever bring back old distilleries on no why would you do that why uh, exactly so, behind was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Finger, uh, finger on finger on the pulse as ever uh followed by if you want to see them they're on our socials another one about worm tubs and why nobody would ever use them um and we were standing hard at the time <laughs> um and then finally there's yes. lagon bay oh yes by ian mcleod distillers that's us by the way if you've not worked that out um Ian McLeod Distillers are building a distillery right opposite the airport. So again, geography-wise, right in between Beaumont and Port Ellen, there's an airport on the right-hand side if you're traveling from Beaumont to Port Ellen. Immediately, literally, directly opposite the entrance to the airport is the entrance to what will become Lagan Bay Distillery, which is very, very exciting. Yes. Um, so we are very excited by that. And uh, Lovely. And just to sort of, for anybody listening it's joined us, Go and search in the back catalogue of Fiskian Scripted. We are on Isla last August, and we meet the Isla boys who make the mm -hmm. Isla Ales, who are also doing tastings at the the Fesh Eel this year, and they're putting together the projects, and also will have the they'll have a brewery on site right next mm -hmm. to the distillery. It's going to be really good. It's going to be fabulous. Hopefully, a couple of years, and we'll be there. So you may see us at Fesh in about two years' time. You might even see us there next year in some form, but uh, very, very exciting. And, you know, well, why don't we take Smokehead there one year and just do mad things with it? That would be great. So um, you've worked at Beaumont. Just a quick word about what the atmosphere is like. The, the oh, it's fabulous. It's like it was. It's like it was for us at, at uh, Speyside. Everybody mucks in. It's, you know, it, it's a fundamentally great week. Um, obviously, probably even more compressed because it's on an island. Um, and everybody, you see everybody everywhere and, you know, you can't get a minibus anywhere. You can't get a taxi. It's complete chaos in a way, but, um, it's utterly fabulous and every bar is packed out and it's great. And there's people wandering around and people just love it. It's utterly amazing. And Fish, I'm so glad that we can hopefully in a couple of years be involved and do some great stuff and have our, have a, have a, we might have to share a day with somebody else now these days, but, uh, Yes. Brilliant. Really, really excited by that. So um, that's going to be utterly fabulous. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Beaumont is probably the one which everybody seeks out for the face shield bottles more than any others. It's great fun. Lafroig Day I used to do as well. Very, you know, different different vibe. Really great days. But I think it's probably generally accepted. Brucladi Day is the, the big party. Um and because uh, it's a Sunday, I think all the locals go. It's great. It's fabulous. So, yeah. Just on that festivals, before we head to talk about tour guides, uh, I want to our touring around Scotland. Mm -hmm. um, Philip or Felipe Schreiberg is across there. Doing his he music. is. He is. I don't know if he, you know him very well. I do know him quite well. Yeah. Um, Felipe is over there. He does his beautiful music and uh, music and whiskey. Fabulous. I think he's just been in Campbelltown. We're going over to Isla. So that's good. I think he's going to be doing something at the festival as well. So Great. he's over there. And I, look, I, everybody's everybody's in Campbelltown and Isla at the moment. I mm -hmm. really feel I'm missing out. I've got bad yeah. FOMO. Uh, exactly. But he has put together just the top 10, just in chronological order, of festivals around the world. 
I just wondered if you want to just have a quick uh, comment on each one of them. Oh, right. Not, I didn't know this yet. Do first that. Up, this is from, is from Forbes magazine. He writes uh -huh. from a lot of the high polluting uh, magazines. Mm -hmm. uh, number one, we've just been talking about it, the Isla Festival. Gordon. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I, arguably, I think a uh, uh, great festival, different to Spirit of Speyside. I think they're both on a par. Oh, yeah. um, Spirit of Speyside is just a slightly different, uh, wider area. Okay. But number uh, two, he's got sorry, just number two, the Philippi Freiburg's list, Glasgow's whiskey festival, organized by locals uh, at Hamden Park, one of the most iconic soccer stadiums. Uh, lots of new and unusual whiskies, he says, with gin and rum. Yeah, no, I mean, the Glasgow Whiskey Festival, to be honest, has, has really grown and is a great, great festival because it's obviously local to most of us. We get a great selection of whiskies. It's run by some really great people. Yes. And uh, it's great to see its success. I mean, I, I was a little bit skeptical when it moved to Hamden, but having been there, it's a great day. It's a fabulous day. And uh, I think it's in November. It is. Um, 10th, and I think there was one last year in February, which was sort of the first post-COVID one. And then there was another one in November. So I think it's a great festival. It's It's more of a standard festival in terms of tables and things like that, but they do it really well. So it's a good one. Absolutely. Yeah, number three, the, I don't know if you've done this one, the Arctic Whiskey Festival in the Norwegian city of Tromso, which tends to focus on whiskies from around the world, the northernmost of its kind. I've never been to Tromso. I have done stuff in up in uh, sort of Norway and places like that, but I've never been to that one. Um, mm -hmm. uh, big market, relatively expensive. Oh, my God. Nice. Quite expensive part of the world. But, um, yeah, no. Victoria sure Whiskey Festival. Michael, take your jacket. Take Victor your jacket take to that. Jacket. Victoria Whiskey Festival um, oh, in Canada. I was there this year. Um, fabulous whiskey festivals there in January. It's always in January. And uh, I do a bit of work in Alberta, so Calgary and Edmonton. Some great Glengoyne and Tamdu fans and Smokehead fans there. And then I fly over to Victoria. They look after you so well. I, I would actually arguably put it as a little bit higher, but. Yeah, what a festival. Well, Love not, it. I don't think this is in his order. It's just it's just right. very logical. But he says, um, at number five, uh, the Whiskey Show, old and rare. Ah, yes. Glasgow by online whiskey retailer at the Whiskey Exchange. What's that, Gordon? So that is a, a brilliant, again, a festival really aimed at the very old bottling. So you can come along. I think you can spend quite a lot of money at that festival. <laughs> but uh, I think you get some amount of stuff to free as part of your ticket. Much more smaller quantities of people. But you'll have a whole load of, you know, very interesting uh, personalities there and some amazing older bottles. I've never of been to that one, God. I'd love to see the older bottles. No, I think it's really interesting. We should probably go along. I think it's in London now, though. I think it's moved. Right. The nth spring, the nth, I should say, the spring 2019, uh, 2020, the luxury whiskey experience lasting for four days in Las Vegas. Vegas. I've been to that as well. <laughs> Yeah, in Vegas, um, whiskey in Vegas. Yeah, brilliant show. Uh, really aimed at high rollers and the sort yes. of limit. You know, you're pulling out your best whiskey at this one. Um, so we were there this year with Rosebank, which went down an absolute storm. Uh, it says and... it allows attendees to get close and personal with luminaries in the industry. How close and personal were you with some of the people? Uh, well, I was definitely there. I was definitely close. I was uh, relatively personable. Uh, uh, no, really, you know, again, really aimed at the sort of um, collector stroke, high, high 
the, the people who want to buy the, and have the budget to buy those high whiskies. Really good show run by Mahesh Patel. Uh, and I think it's expanding this year as well into different markets. So that's going to be interesting. God, this is uh, this is why we do this show. That's a, a fantastic amount of information you're imparting yeah. here. This is Philippe Schreiberg's Top 10 Whiskey Festivals in the, the World's in Forbes magazine. No particular order, but number seven, Limburg Whiskey Fair in mm. Germany. He says, probably the major whiskey festival on any aficionado's calendar, known for its enthusiastic crowds and one of the largest selections of whiskey ever gathered for a festival. He's summed up beautifully. Yeah, Limburg is, again, a real whiskey connoisseur uh, whiskey show. Um, and again, you can seek out amazing bottles. You can seek out, you know, a, a lot of different things that you can't see at most other whiskey shows. And to the point that I believe that the Limburg whiskey show has effectively been, I don't know if it's involved with this or it's been, but there's another one that it's not in Kaohsiung, which is in the Southern city in Taiwan, very much a similar style show in terms of seeking out those rare independent bottlings and old, you can turn up at that and you'll see some very old Glengoins and Tamdus and, and whiskies from around the port, you know, around the world. Um, it's uh yeah really really if you're a whiskey you you want to go to probably one of the best shows for whiskey connoisseurs in Europe that's where you should go. Oh, and the last couple last three Water of Life, uh, the Water of Life Festival. It says want to drink whiskey and fight cancer. The Water of Life Festival in New York as a charity. Event. Yeah, now this is this is run by a good friend of the show. Well, he's not been interviewed on the show, but he's a good friend of mine, Matt Luren. He is currently he was he was he was in Glen Scotia and Springbank and for the last couple of days he'll be over on Isla. Matt's a big big character. He's a doctor by trade and a big whiskey man. Lovely lovely man and he's put on this show. I've never been able to do it. I'm really hope we can maybe do it this year. Um, small sm you know not 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 nothing too, um, but just a really intimate whiskey show. Does a great job in New York. Hopefully we can do it. Oh, uh, love that the attendees rotate through speed dates with exhibitors. So yes. round tables. Uh, number nine, Spirit of Speyside Festival. We did the show last week. Mm -hmm. just... Fabulous. I mean, there's only one distillery to visit during that place, of course, which is Tamdu. Joking, joking. Fabulous <laughs> whiskey festival. Um, uh, you know, it's the throw open the doors, particularly at Tamdu when we're not open normally, but just throw open the doors. Everybody gets involved and it's a great four or five days. And so. by the end of it, we're absolutely knackered. He says, creates a unique experience for each visitor. Whiskey themed dinners, nature walks, concerts, none of which you'll find at other festivals. It is yes. quite simply on, on its own with the... And, it, and, and it's such a stunning countryside. I mean, it really is such a great place to visit. You can you know, everywhere, every corner you turn there's a brown sign to a distillery you know there's just it you know if you've never been to that part of the world simply go uh it's utterly fabulous and on in late april early may and finally this just in this list of not in any order well done philippe at dram fest oh yeah i was hoping that was going to be on the list because it is a fabulous just uh whiskey show Christchurch in new zealand i've been to that as well um Christchurch in New Zealand, um, fabulous um, sort of um, every two years, I think it is, yes, yes, um, it run is. by Whiskey Galore in Christchurch, which is probably the pre, pre the, the preeminent uh, yes. 
specialist retailer in New Zealand. And obviously, you know, it's a long, long way away, but the amount of bottles and people that go there every year, I was hopefully going to go this year, but couldn't make it. Um, fabulous people that run it. And um, it's, uh, again, you know, if you're in that part of the world, it's a long way to fly for a whiskey show. But if you're in Australia or even Hong Kong, it's definitely worth going to. Honestly, Gordon, I put this list together. This show is absolutely unscripted. I thought, I wonder if Gordon will give us a chat in any of these. That's amazing. Amazing about each of these festivals. I mean, there are a few others that I would say is really good. Whiskey Live Paris is a great whiskey show. Um, that's a really, really good whiskey show, which has a trade element, a consumer element. It's probably, for me, one of the preeminent shows in Europe in terms of the depth of people that are there. The standard whiskey show in London, not the standard, but not the old and rare, the, the, the one that's at the end of September uh, in old Billingsgate. Another great whiskey show. Really, really good whiskey show. Great classes, great opportunities to go. Um you know, you've got other shows which have been around for a long time, like Whiskey Fest in New York. Um, and um, there's there's plenty of, op- not just in New York, around the States, there's plenty of options. Pretty And and you know as well as I know, oh. if you go to Holland or Germany, you could be at Whiskey Show every weekend. It's fantastic. I mean, that one in Munich, the finest spirits, you know, if you like your beers, you like Munich, you like, it's just, just wonderful. Yeah. It's just really, really, really great uh, shows. So exactly. uh, absolutely fantastic, Gordon. So we, you've just mentioned about going round the world and, and, and they're all over the world, but people are coming to Scotland, they are coming to Campbelltown, are coming to Isla. I think it's a great moment to launch our very informal and infrequent insider's guide. Not oh. quite working for us, but it's just to lift the lid on what it is like to work sort of connected to the whiskey industry. So mm. this is John McElwee. You you may not know the name, Gordon, but you may have spoke to him 25 years, as you mentioned, taking people around Scotland, predominantly whiskey tastings. If you're mm. not working in whiskey, this might be one of the best jobs to do. Would, I, I don't know how... Would you do this in another life? No, because I'd have to drive. Yeah, that's the... Well... It's a slight downside. If you listen to the interview, he actually flies people to Isla, you know, so... All right, okay. People to drive when you're across there. So sit back, enjoy this insider's guide to being a private tour guide. Good afternoon, John. How are you? I'm very well, Gordon. How are you, sir? Great stuff. We've just talked a little bit about you. Could you just explain who you are and what you do? My name is John McElwee, and I'm a private Scottish tour guide, and I've been working in the industry for some 25 to 30 years, depending on how you want to calculate it. Wow. John, why? You said that for 25 years. Why did you start doing this? I was a civil servant and I basically was working for the Ministry of Defence in the 1980s, late 80s to the 90s, when the world was given the gift of computers from Microsoft, when you got all these posters saying, be all you can be, the longest journey starts with the first, from great... Little acorns grow, great <laughs> oak trees, and that's a funny thing, isn't it? Oak trees, we should be talking about whiskey. <laughs> so I took the plunge, I conducted a survey of the Kingston Bridge, um, and I decided that 90% of the people I was watching on the bridge were out there getting paid for being out driving, doing something more exciting than I was doing. Then I decided, what can I do out there? So I thought to myself, 
get out and start some sort of luxury transport system where you could take people from A to B and they could work on the way maybe from Glasgow to Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. That didn't quite work. Then I called that a chauffeur business. That didn't quite work. And we kind of drifted into um, doing some work for companies that did golf tours. Uh, some people would uh, do business days away at golf. And it kind of flowered from, from there. Um, so that's, you know, I was asked to subsequently work for television companies taking some pretty famous faces to and from meetings. And um, eventually that market became saturated and a kind of niche market opened up where I became what was called a, a, a private driver guide, taking individuals on various types of tours, whether they were whiskey, golf, or whatever they were asking me to do. I was asked to do a couple. I didn't know how to do them, and eventually I got a good report card. So I started doing them all those years ago. And that's when, because my next question is why, I mean, predominantly you're doing whiskey tours, and that sort of answers. Yeah. It just drifted into whiskey. Well, Do you think that's just because the, the world was waking uh, up to whiskey? No, no. Um, my, my, my interest in whiskey started in 1987 when I got married. Um, and my wife was a buyer for a company. And they would used to give her a gift for all the stuff she bought. And then when she got married, they gave the husband the gift as well. And somebody gave me um, a gift, which was a book by Michael Jackson's Malt Whiskey Companion. It was edition one, and they gave me, don't laugh, a bottle of Glenn Frick No Age Statement. And I enjoyed reading the book and soon came to realise that when I was talking about it to some people, um, no matter what you know, position in life they were, from directors of companies to the guy in the pub, when you could talk about whiskey well, you could acquit yourself well. Uh, the same way that you could acquit yourself by playing good golf in the golf course, and um, it got me through a few interviews because you had to talk about something. People would listen to you and, you know, so that you, you could talk in an informed, methodical way so that you commanded their attention. And as I say, I left the civil servant in 1908, started the chauffeur service and uh, moved into just doing the tour guides where during the tours, people would listen intently. They thought you were some sort of expert because you'd read this book and they were happy to listen to what you had to say. Well, that gets us on to the tours, you know, just if you could hone in and settle the whiskey ones, since we're on Whiskey Unscripted, yeah. what are the popular tours, yeah. you know, maybe well, in the past, the present, whatever you want to talk about, most, you want to come and see the big names? Right. Most of my tours nowadays uh, encompass a, a marriage, not a blend. I'm throwing in some puns for you here. <laughs> a marriage, not a blend. We don't talk about blends. Um, of different themes from scenery, history, but whiskey, golf, and get a lot of foodies thanks to all the chef programmes. Genealogical, geographical, archaeological, and so on. Um, however, I'm often asked to lean more towards certain subjects, mainly historical scenery, but whiskey's becoming, it became big over the years, um, and golf is, is still up there. I mean, these tours are easy to, uh, to compose. People do want to see the big names, yeah, uh, but more of the discerning whiskey fans are open to other suggestions, which sometimes have to come into play thanks to the logistics availability of tours and timings. Um, clients are usually very impressed with, with their suggestions. So, yeah, people are willing to see new places suggestions, especially some new distilleries on Isla. Isla to get that, I've got to get that one right. Um, 
the the big draws are of course uh, the Macallan. Many customers actually leave there pretty disappointed. Uh, that's a longer story. Oban is a big popular one, especially with Americans. I think because of the bourbon, they used a, a wonderful phrase years ago. It was um, um, preferable to the American palate. Now, I used to often wonder why that was, but of course it was because it was using bourbon casks. Glenfiddich was the big one. It does a good big two nowadays, but more so than Balveni um, up, up at that point. Um, other other uh, include Glengoyne. It's a great one to hit from Glasgow. And it does a great two. We'll talk about that maybe later. Glenlivet, Talca, Glenfarclas, all the usual suspects. Um, suggestions by others such as Bow Blair, Glendronach, Aberlour always go down well. And regarding Isla, uh, yeah, many people want to go there, but they don't realise the travelling involved. So I just fly them over there for one or two days. I have a driver over there that drives them about. I bring them back, but I've 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 sent them to the distilleries that I've chosen for them. If, if you know what I mean. Well, that's uh, brilliant, um, John. Experiences. Possibly whiskey related out there, uh, maybe off the beaten track, um, locations, meals, drinks. This, in and they come to Scotland. What would you, what would you recommend? Well, regarding people come to Scotland with different levels of knowledge. Uh, they're preloaded with different expertise levels. They maybe have been studying it for. Maybe no more than you or I do. Um, that maybe some of them have got sensational collections, and in question, you know, they they they, they come uh, with varying degrees of of expertise, which you have to assess when you meet them, so that you can pitch in their their kind of level or break it down to to so that they understand it. But there's there's lots of different types of tours, and to me, unquestionably, the the king of tours. And with apologies to everybody else here. But the king of tours, which I would describe as waist and shoulders above, head and shoulders above, uh, most of them is the Balveni tour. And that's thanks to the setting, the content, the ambassadors, and of course the whiskey, but not their core 12-year-old double wood. That's kind of, in my opinion, tiring a wee bit, but there's some sensational ones if you go up to the, the older ones. They, people do prefer other expressions, and they are willing to pay for the 21s and the 25s, as I'm sure you've witnessed. And recently, I think I was up doing a tour where I had a very, very discerning couple. Um, they both worked for a rather large computer company, and it's not the Apple one. And there was a young lady there, and I can't remember her name. I think it was Becky or Rebecca. She did the tour. And Glen Goyne this year so far has took the prize for the most informative tour oh. because they had all of the dynamics temperatures, loads, where did the barley come from, you know, all that stuff. They had every answer to every question, which a lot, and I understand this, that a lot of distilleries are limited because they have seasonal staff that are playing the broken record, so to speak. Yeah. But Rebecca gave a, a very, very good you know, acquittal uh, account. Rebecca, yes. Of, of, um, the same way, I mean, I think years gone by, the, the, there's been other staff like yourself that would do it. And, um, you know, um, we, we, we had Joanne there as well, and yourself. Of course. Um, and just while we're on the subject, I have to give a bit of credit to some other distilleries, uh, varying in price, of course. Mm -hmm. The Glenlivet Archives Tour, that's a distillery that's put themselves together again. 
um, big story. The archives tour is £100 per person, but I actually added up what it would have cost you to buy that stuff in a pub, the samples that they got, and they were way into the £200 mark. Other great tours to be found at Bal Bal Blair, um, Glendronach, and guess what? Uh, Dal Dalwini um, do a brilliant tour. Uh, but I'm I'm talking about tours, standard tours here, not warehouse tasting tours. Because well, well, I'm talking about that. If I could just add, there are people who've come and done tours in the past, still want to come and do whiskey. So we do the warehouse tours only with them. They don't need to see the mechanics of it again. So that's that's my thoughts on that one. That's great, John. That's that's really interesting because you're getting the feedback from people that jump back in the car. That's it. And, you know, these these things stand the that's test of the, the customer. You're yeah. getting it firsthand from them. Now, can I put you in the back seat of your car? And yeah. I know it's a horrible thought if you had to take yourself around and look at yourself yeah. in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> you're in the back seat. Where would you go in Scotland? Whiskey related. It doesn't well, distillery. It's just an experience. Uh, in Scotland, whiskey, whiskey's in there. Uh, bearing in mind uh, one one important thing, uh, I don't really get to go anywhere between uh, March and October because that's my busy season. But if I had a, a time off, it, it would obviously depend on what the weather was doing. So on a nice day, uh, not too hot, just sitting outside with your sweater on, yep. uh, having a pub lunch at the Jigger Inn, overlooking the 17th Road Hole, uh, you know, the most famous hole in the world of golf, watching the people play their approach show into the 17th, thinking I could have done better than that. <laughs> uh, that's, of course, after a, a good feed with a beer and a continuous supply of malt whiskeys, I could do much better than they could. Um, there's a great selection in there. It's not restricted. Too many times you go to places where you can clearly see that they're limited to who they can put their whiskey on their gantry by uh, because it's coming from a certain supplier. But uh, the jigger in has got carte blanche, they'll get you in whatever they want. And of course, the Jigger Inn is only a short walk to the next pub or restaurant or your hotel. In the wintertime, on a really dreary night, basically any hotel or pub with a non-restricted selection of mops that we just mentioned, a roaring fire and a sea view with some good company will do. One of the top drawer ones for that is Kinloch Lodge and their whiskey, the Talisker Whiskey Room overlooking Loch Sleet. And that's that's an extreme example because it's five hours to get up there. That's brilliant, though. That's the level of detail I'm looking for, John. You're absolutely <laughs> ticking, <laughs> ticking yeah. all the boxes. Um, yeah. Now, I've got this image of you in that Kinloch Lodge sampling yeah. of whiskey, and I know you like your whiskeys. I know you have <laughs> occasionally dabbled in auctions. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to know, John, anything come across your desk yeah. you've either had a wee drink of or you've bought? Anything interesting in the world of whiskey from your perspective? Well, I, I, as you know, I, I, I go round the, the doors of all the whiskies quite a lot. And yeah, there's, there's some that have kind of dropped a little bit in their kind of balance and quality and others that have risen to it. And, okay, take, taking a leaf out of that wonderful, in my opinion, the best whiskey writer of all time, Michael Jackson, not the, not the singer, um, um he, he, he kind of never said this in his book, but he, he led you into the, if you can't say anything good about a, a malt or anything, just don't say anything at all. So let me try and do my best to stay away from what I think has happened to a lot of distilleries when the qualities of their core range is kind of kind of lessened a wee bit and, and concentrate on the positives. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing I like to see more. It brings the biggest smile 
to my to my my, my whole face, my 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 brain. Um, when just about anything, and I'm talking about anything from a, a, any make of car or anything like that, when um, it, it goes from a reputation that is a poor or a social reputation, and they work hard and they hit the nail on the head, and something becomes wonderful, great, borderline legendary. So in my opinion, here's just an example of, of something that, in terms of quality, and the biggest word that I can give to anybody for whiskey is balance. So there's no high spots, there's no, no, no too much of something, just a wee bit of everything. Value for money and the presentation in the box, in the bottle that comes us. If, if you can get your hands on the new RM10, in yeah. fairness, they, they've done well. In my opinion, malt, the best malt of the year for the last three years under £100, let alone the fact that it's only going to cost you 35 to £49. What a, what a swing of prices I've seen this one. Um, and, you know, others that are so oh, at the same unknown level of greatness include, and credit where credit is due, Daft Mill are doing wonderful things. Some of the Kilhoman expressions, Deanston are doing really well. They've, they've, they've hit the post a few times, but they've done, they've, they've hit the, scored the goal a few times. And I'll tell you what, credit where credit due, when, when some core ranges kind of dip and then they come back and they can get... I'm going to say it. Glenn going 12-year-old made my cut. And I have to say, it's, it's, it's a go-to one for me. And it must be good because my wife likes it. Um, and just for, you know, for, for interest, I, I'm not really interested in some expressions of producers that try to woo me to buy bottles with cartons. They look like they have pot puri or bubble bath or scary birds that's going to get you through. Or maybe a medusa that's going to turn you to stone. Or even cartons that are, that are so bright in colour they could be used in a road safety campaign. I can't even begin to imagine what's in the bottles. Did I, did I, did I say I was going to behave? No, John, no, we don't want you to behave. That's not the point. Of this show, <laughs> no, that's I know exactly where you're coming from. I know, I know, I know. Uh, John, back to the job. Um, would you recommend it as a as a job if you were meeting your old, your, your younger self? Would you say, John, get yeah, into this gig? There, there is a back to the 1990s where they said aim for the sky. You know, um, there's a lot of kids that I see. I'm now 58, going on 900. There's a lot of kids that you watch going in to, 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 to start working in the, the distilleries and you wonder where, where they're all going. And I truly believe that if I knew then what I know now, then I would have made every effort to become a, a, a malt master. Yes, That's been, a very, very big... Not so much the tour guide, you've been in the process of making whiskey. Uh, so, say again, sorry? You've been in the process of making whiskey. I, I, wasn't a tour guide. I would want to be in the process somewhere. Yeah. of making whiskey, but I would like to have a striven to become the malt master. And to me, that word malt master, that's not a master blender. That's the highest of the high, in my opinion. In my opinion, there has only ever been one in Scotland, and I, he shall remain nameless uh, at the moment. He's still alive, so there you go. Um, <laughs> but I, these these jobs in distilleries strike me as, as very difficult to actually get into. I don't think there's any kids in school nowadays that can I go through school, get the qualifications and think, I'm going to go and work in the whiskey industry. They might go to marketing and then get into it. So they have, you know, you have to go through a different avenue to, to get into it. 
So, um, you know, and, and I think there's a, a few bits and pieces of, of politics as, as well involved in it. Um, so what do I think I would probably try and do? I'd probably try and become a private tour guide where I could take customers round all of the distilleries, extolling their virtues, and being allowed to be a, a grumpy old man where, 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 where necessary. And uh, hey, hang on a minute, that's, that's what I am. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy, you know. <laughs> that's great. Well, it's opinions. It's uh, a, that's what whiskey does. It gives us opinions. Whether it's ones you like or not like, we can't. It's a whole idea about whiskey. Joyce, my fantastic interview is there, you know, just with either the whiskey or the or the job or or the, the industry. Anything else you like to add? Yeah, I mean, I think we we're we're living in a world of instant, and people are too um, too quick um, to not listen to people and jump. And you know, my my opinions, your opinions. Um, our, our, our own opinions and they are arrived at through, through years of listening and observing things and extracting and deciding what you actually think. People nowadays were running too fast and we need to accept that theirs and our, other people's opinions are only opinions and that they are open to interpretation and discussion. Uh, they're usually non-negotiable non unless we decide to change them, have not listened to other people. People are only too quick, as I say, to, to jump over conversations when they hear the slightest thing that they think they're going to disagree with. And as you ever watch the House of Commons, you know, they jump all over themselves. They, they need to let people finish because invariably they answer the question. And this is what whiskey's all about. When you're talking to somebody about whiskey, malt whiskey, about what you're getting out of the glass, people will let you finish and then they'll come in and they'll gently, this is the best thing, the most, it's like golf, the etiquette of golf. People will say, I'm getting stewed fruit. And the other person might say, I'm getting raisins. And it's the same thing, it's just a slight bit different. And people smile and they have a laugh. They don't want to kill each other, you know. Um, so that's what makes whiskey the special, special thing. Nobody wants to argue, they just want to discuss. It's not like football, who's right or wrong. You know, it's not who's got the best car or the best golf clubs. That's what makes whiskey really magical that's absolutely that. what a way to finish john and i can just ask you my final final question is what's the next few weeks or few months have you got tips I, booked I, I i'm working um till i between now and it's the 23rd of may and thanks to the wrath of people wanting to travel from overseas to scotland i'm going to have to be very careful because between the 23rd of tomorrow the 24th of may and the 14th of October, I have four days off. Right. Yeah, you Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm very, very busy. I think the distilleries need to watch out. They need to get more staff. They need to get more tours. Yeah. Um, and, they, you know, and another thing is it's becoming difficult to, to get to book tours. You've got to book them in advance and prepay them. And, you know, and sometimes you can't get the tour. So yeah, a couple of the bigger distilleries that are doing lots of tours need to look at maybe extending what tours they do. Glengoyne is a classic example. Many times I phone there and I kind of get the time that I want. So I've got to reshuffle the day and turn it on its head to be able to get to Glengoyne or indeed some of the big names, you know, you've becoming few and far between. So it's just begun. I will say, just a wee feedback for yourself, it's becoming difficult to get tours and the times that you want. Yeah. John, I'll try and get that. You've now been on the podcast, so you've got the pecking order, surely, of, of well, Ian McLeod. 
And I hope you found it. I hope you found some of the things that we've talked about um, interesting. Absolutely fantastic and a fascinating discussion. And just my final, I'll mention to Gordon once you come off this interview, just that's why you're so popular. As you said, you had to assess the people's level of knowledge Uh, before you really, you know, started getting around. And I'm sure that's a mistake a lot of newbies might make, not assessing it. You've got to assess the person's, the people's level of knowledge and the pace that they want to work at. Some people can want to do a distillery in 45 minutes, others will take two hours. So the pace, the level of expertise, and you know, you've got to get another people that you want. To. And then sometimes it's a case of uh, marrying up what their tastes are to the distilleries you're going to take to them. Mm-hmm. I might ask them questions like, what kind of food do you like? Are you a red meat or a white meat person? Being sherry or bourbon? Do you smoke? Because I need to get through the palates. I need to get through the taste buds. So we'll go to a smoky one because I've got to defeat the depleted taste buds. I've got to I've got to pop all these questions to them uh, and and paddle my way through pulling from them where I'm going to take them if they're open to suggestions. John, that's absolutely fascinating. You know, it's really. An eye-opening, you know, sort of view of, of what it is to take people around Scotland, especially in a whiskey field. John, thank you so much for joining us on Whiskey Unscripted. Have a very, very successful, I know you will have, summer. Yeah. And well, come back and see us again. Thank you for that. And after all that, I think I need a drink. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> right. So there, there we go, Gordon. A great, great interview from John. Yes. And what do you think? He gave us his... Favourite place for a dram, 17th hole, St Andrews, at the road hole, jigger in, having a dram. Not nice. A, can you think of whiskey related? A good well, view or a good meal? Where would you... Oh, that's a listening, very... Where would you like oh. to just say, ah, Scotland's dram in hand and a view? Um, oh, that's a toughie. Isn't it? That's a toughie. You don't um, be walking too much, you know. I think I've said this before, but I think if I'm on Isla... It's all about where you are. If I'm going to be on Isla, only because I've done it uh, with some really good friends, sitting on the wall at Bamore is about as good as it gets. Looking out over Loch Endal, I did that with a late, wonderful Dominic Roscrew, who unfortunately left us uh, uh, a few months ago, which was a real shame. But um, uh, sitting on the wall at Bamore is brilliant. I think looking out over the bays or looking out over onto Jura from Ardnahoe, that's a beautiful view. We saw that last year. Um, Isla's good. Isla's good. That's a good. Isla one. is good. Isla is good. But you know, even you know, I, I, around the world, oh, well, listen, I tell you, I, I, tell I you did once. We cut across, cut across. Mm-hmm. A couple fine. of uh, seasons ago, it was me and you. End of season, Christmas in the pot still. We're sitting having oh, a couple of pies. Yeah. Talk to Big Frank. Exactly. No, it's all about the moment. <laughs> you know, I think I've 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 been lucky enough to travel all over the world with whiskey and. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the amazing places that I've been, but, um, you know, even overlooking Hong Kong Harbour one night, drinking whiskey with some friends was amazing. It's who you're with more than as much as where you are. Um, and uh, what about you, Gordon? What's well, your favourite place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just saying, In the sauna? I like, I like a sauna. I do like a sauna. I like a bar. Um, even that interview today we had in Borlangi, you would never think, well, you would think, three hours north of Stockholm, lovely village overlooking a river, 170 people loving their whiskey, beautiful setting. It was, you know, talk about in the moment. That was the only downside for them is they had to listen to you. 
for almost three hours. Yes. Uh, Gordon, are you ready on this theme of tour guides travelling around Scotland? Are you ready to play our legendary feature? You oh. have reached your whiskey destination. We have been inundated <laughs> with people asking for this feature to come back. So to all the people that have written to us... Uh, this is the finale of this episode. Dave and Tom, thanks very much. <laughs> this... I'm going to have to give you a wee clue at the beginning, and maybe even at the end. It's a tough one. <clears throat> Opened in 2016. Stop. <clears throat> From Glasgow, merge onto the M80 towards Stirling. And if you've never listened to the show, by the way, this is a website. You go to contact us, you get the directions, I take mm. out where we're going, and then I supply it to Gordon to try and guess where we're going. Where's the distillery? So guess the distillery. From Glasgow. Merge onto the M80 towards Stirling for 11 miles. Keep left on the M876 towards Kincardine Bridge and Falkirk for 19 miles. You're over the bridge. Take the second exit to the B8046 towards the fourth road bridge and A904. <laughs> Turn right on that A904 onto the M90. 1.3 miles head east on the A92 towards Glenrothes. And Kirkcaldy. Take the exit onto B981 and E90, uh, A910 towards Kirkcaldy West and Carden Den. Take the first exit, continue on the B922 after 2.3 miles, turn right into King Lassie Road, Glenrothes. Take left towards the White Hill and Viewfield. <laughs> turn left onto White Hill, turn left onto White Craig's Road. 0.7 miles, turn left, 20 yards. You've reached your whiskey destination and whiskey director Ian Palmer will see you now. That's one of a few. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure. Is it Inch Dearney? Oh, yes, it is Inch Dearney. Oh, oh because I just bought... A tough one because the, 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 the directions were heading into deepest fife, but I did yeah. say Glen Rothes, and I did say it opened in 2016, and I just think it's such an amazing, such a fascinating ways, sort of creating the whiskies and engineering. Really, I've just, I've bought a bottle of their Rye Law, which oh. is a, a single, I think it's a single grain uh, uh, whiskey. It is a single single grain whiskey uh, from Engineering. Beautiful bottle. Not opened it yet. I'm looking forward to trying it. Um, so uh, I'm I'm glad uh, glad we got there. That's good. That's right. You have reached Gordon. We've reached our destination. That's been quite an episode. Yeah. Look, I'm just wishing everybody a great fish. Um, I'm sure it'll be good fun. We'll be back with episode three, which will be, um, well, as you may have noticed, the timings have gone a little awry, mainly because we're traveling and doing stuff, and this isn't, you know, but. We're also noticing on the, and you, you keep up with this, we also notice a lot of people following up on older episodes. So continue to do that. We'll continue to generate new content for you and new episodes with our inane chat and even a bit of education. And we might have got very much so this episode. Then we might even be live from from Dallas. Dallas in Dallas. Oh, yeah. so, Dallas. And you could go down. Um, so when I went to Dallas, I I'm slightly obsessed with, JFK's murder. Oh, right. Yes. And so I said to the local rep I was with, I said, look, I've only got one request. 
I need to drive down what you would call past the book depository, down, I think it's called Daily Plaza. And uh, I went down there and I was like, I've got a video of it. And I was like, you know, looked at the, the, the grassy knoll. And no, it's exactly the same as it was in the video. So I drove down there. And uh, for me, that was a bit, I was like, because I've, I've always wondered what the hell happened there. So so if you're in Dallas and you've got, an, you've got a, Go for a walk and find it and go and, you know, because it's, it's just a bit of history, isn't it? And you could go to you could go to South Fork as well, although it's actually nowhere near Dallas. It's quite a long way out of time. That's where Dallas was, obviously. Actual Dallas, Dallas. Dallas, Dallas. Dallas. But if you look at it on a map, it's not easy to get to. Actually, for research purposes, uh, I do the history of Glengoyne. The stars came to Glengoyne in the 1970s or the early 80s, similarly, the, the cast of Dallas. So I could do my really? research. Mm. Right, Martin, we have to go. I'm going to raise my tornado uh, smokehead and uh, wish you all the best. Cheers! Bye! Bye.